gentlepersons, gentle ladies, gentlemen, Speed Buggy, and Captain Caveman. The audio presentation you are about to enjoy discusses casinos and gambling. We strongly recommend that you do not gamble with money you cannot afford to lose or need to pay your bills. The past performances of our host and his guests are not indicative of anyone's future results. If you think you may have a gambling problem, please contact your local problem gambling hotline. If you do not know your local problem gambling hotline number, send an email to help at casinocombat.com and we will find that number for you and make sure you have it. Everything presented as part of this episode of Casino Combat is based in facts and actual events. Names and dates have been altered to protect the innocent and the guilty. Minor items unrelated to outcomes may be omitted in the interest of brevity and clarity. It is, it's me, it's TRG, the Rambling Gambler, ringing, ching-chinging, and bling-blinging, as always, in the constant pursuit of excellence of execution in all aspects of casino gambling. Welcome to episode 72 of our Casino Combat Podcast. New friends and old friends, thanks for sharing some of your time with me today. If you've just found the podcast or missed episode 71, in addition to the podcast itself, we have a variety of materials available to help you improve your gambling. Casino Combat has a YouTube channel, which includes a playlist called Boot Camp. Boot Camp is spelled with a K to stay on brand. The playlist is a series of short lessons that teach the core concepts of good gambling. You can listen to the entire series in less than 90 minutes. Also new this week, we've expanded the CasinoCombat.com website to include a section called Fred 4.6. In that section, we have a variety of materials you can download, including my ebook on slot machine play called Casino Combat Slot Tactics, and decision trees for my two different wagering strategies, compliments of Inner Circle member East Coast Emissary. Last week, last week we added some outtakes from my interview with Charlie Frere, the author of Casino Fun 101, to this section of the website as well. Finally, in terms of tools and resources, we have also added a TRG Recommends section to the website, and I have been expanding that section aggressively. In the TRG Recommends section, you will find links to a to purchase a variety of books I have mentioned in the podcast or used in my gambling education. I have also provided links to training tools as well as the most important gambling tool I have, a 23 pocket vest for organizing everything I need while visiting a casino. Billy with the great last name, T-Rex and I really hope that these resources will be useful additions to what the podcast provides. All right, what is episode 72 going to be about? First up, when 313 is back with another question, so we will start with a questions my sons ask segment and a bit of humor. We're going to do a little gambling with Gabriel and use something Gabriel went through recently as a prompt to discuss a couple of things that every gambler goes through from time to time. We will follow that with a moment of casino wisdom and look at one of the very first casino wisdoms and make some additions and adjustments to it. As always, we will finish up in the virtual VIP lounge to enjoy some sips and stories. In episode 71 last week, I talked about an appropriately sized time roll being as important as having an appropriately sized bankroll. And I mentioned that on a couple of occasions, I've gambled all night to complete my gambling plan for a visit. I'm going to share the details for one of those evenings to finish up our episode today. So that's our plan. Let's get started with questions my sons ask. What? What? My sons ask questions about gambling, and listeners ask questions about gambling. A few episodes ago, 
T-Rex surprised me with a question from listener Gwen313, and we had a bit of fun with that. Gwen313 is back this week with another question. I'll be honest, ever since I talked with Charlie Frere and finished his book, Casino Fun 101, I'm looking at doing things that are fun in a new way, kind of seeing things through his lens a little bit. Gwen is having fun with a small corner of the Casino Combat content, and I'm enjoying being along for the ride. So hopefully this is fun for others since it's fun for the two of us. Gwen313 wrote me to say, TRG, thanks for answering my question about Kenny Rogers being right about things. Still loving the podcast. Love that you asked that you used my question. Really enjoyed the Kid Rock reference in the disclaimer in episode 71. Also, really enjoyed the interview about the, the Casino Fun book. I'm going to get a copy to read over the holidays. I have another question if you don't mind. Are there any other singers or songs that are wrong? from a casino combat point of view. And I'm sorry, I'm chuckling, but I still just, I love where Gwen's mind goes. I really do. I'd like to be Gwen in person sometime. Uh, it's, I, I love I love the way her her point of view sees my point of view. It's, it's really a lot of fun. So here we go. And this one has an interesting answer. It, it, it really does. The, the answer kind of evolved over the course of the week. So here we go, Gwen313, love that you're embracing this kind of silly for the sake of silliness part of the podcast. As good as the timing was on your last question, I'm glad I had a chance to think about this one just a little bit. I'm going to be candid and tell you that you almost got a Kid Rock answer instead of the answer I'm going to give you. So for a day or two after I got your question, I was stumped. So I was going to tell you that I couldn't think of any other songs that were wrong about gambling. Thanks for the question. Sorry I couldn't think of a better answer. And then I was going to close the segment with this. And this is for the questions that don't have any answers, the midnight glancers and the topless dancers, the candid freaks, cars packed with speakers, the G's with the 40s and the chicks with beepers. That was going to be my answer. Cut, print, done. That's where I was going to go. But then I realized there is actually another song that is wrong from a, a casino combat point of view as it relates to an aspect of gambling. And that aspect is money. Mr. Neil Diamond, a legendary figure in the music industry, is wrong in one of that songs. And that song is Forever in Blue Jeans. The error is right there at the very beginning of the song. So let's go through this quickly. Mr. Diamond sings and sings well. Money talks. And that's true enough from a casino combat point of view. That's, that's right on brand for us. Money does talk. Tips, to, tips used correctly are a tool. That's money talking. So where does he go next? Next he goes, but it can't sing and dance, it being money. He's telling us money can't sing and dance. And when it comes to singing and dancing, I certainly have to take Mr. Diamond's word for things. Let's assume he is right about that one. He's an expert and I'm not. Then he goes sideways. Then he goes off the rails. He informs us that it, once again, money can't walk. From a casino combat point of view, that's wrong. Money can, does, and in some cases should walk. Money is yours. You can decide when to pick it up and move it. Money should walk away from the table when we as players hit a positive or a negative exit. Money should walk out of the casino with us, either money we want or money left in our bankroll because we didn't gamble every bit of money we brought in. The singer Meatloaf once explained to me that two out of three ain't bad after I beat him in a staring contest. In this case, Neil Diamond got two out of three right. Money talks, but it can't sing and dance. Those are right. Two out of three ain't bad. When doing casino combat, 
money can and should walk, and we as players are responsible for making that happen at the correct time. So there you go. Gwen, 313, as I said earlier, thanks again for the excellent question. You are welcome to keep them coming. However, to point out another singer that was also correct, Kid Rock. Kid Rock is a singer who is correct about things from a casino combat point of view. He is correct when he sings. You can look for answers, but that ain't fun. Now get in the pit and try to love someone. Get in the casino pit, Gwen313. Let the house show you some love and do some casino combat. <laughs> All right, let's stick to the plan and do a little gambling with Gabriel. podcast uh or if you've listened to a couple episodes and you're kind of wondering who this gabriel guy is that i talk about gabriel is the angel messenger of casino combat he is a very good friend that i met at my local casino many years ago over time uh as that friendship grew he became a thought partner on all things casinos and gamble we bounce ideas off of each other we discussed our results he really helped me define and refine what I do, those last, that last little bit, that last four, five, six percent, you know, whatever that is. You know, he put he he put some shine on the gold, if you will. Many of the things we talk about here are things that Gabriel and I talked about years ago. Even the name of the podcast came from something Gabriel said when I told him I had ordered a vest to carry everything that I needed in a casino. And that was his first first take when he heard about it when he saw the picture he's like oh casino combat and you know here we are today 70 some episodes in something happened to gabriel recently that happens to all gamblers from time to time at least far as i know he had several losing visits to our local casino and then was a little under the weather had a, a very minor very non-significant um health thing come up that kept him home for a few days and i talked to him to see how he was feeling and he was feeling better but he said he was taking, a, you know, in air quotes, taking a break. And he was focusing on getting some work done on other things. And that was understandable, certainly. He hadn't been feeling well. But that's not a new phrase. If you hang around casinos and gamblers long enough, you will hear, hear people talk about taking a break. For example, when I don't stop by my local casino for, you know, a couple of weeks, I'll have dealers say, hey, I haven't seen you in a while. Were you taking a break? And they... You know, they're politely saying, did, did you get the crap kicked out of you by the casino and, and stop gambling for a while? I've had players say to me, yeah, been a while since I've done this. I, I just needed to take a break, and I understand exactly what they mean. They mean the casino kicked the crap out of them for a while, and they needed to stop gambling. As with Gabriel, sometimes this is health and work-related or family-related. But as I said, it, it often means that a player got beat up enough financially or mentally or emotionally that they needed to step away from gambling for a bit and regroup. Players that don't do money management well often need to take a break and rebuild their bankroll. I'm going to tell you about a break I took in just a minute, but I try to avoid breaks in a couple of ways. Money management is an important aspect of being good at the game of casino gambling. Poor money management means no money to gamble with, which forces you to take a break. I keep my gambling money separate from other kinds of money for the most part. And when I win, I put money away to offset future losses. 
I've done that enough that it would take a lot of losing casino visits in a row to need to take a break financially. My record keeping helps in this regard as well. Back in June, uh, we had a really poor month. We did. Things did not go well on the cash side of things. Mrs. TRG was less than thrilled. We did okay on the stuff side of things, but as I said, cash side, things caused her some concern. And when we talked about it, I said I wasn't particularly worried, and that didn't go over well with her. If you're married, you can imagine that conversation when I said I wasn't particularly worried. She asked when I would be concerned, and I pulled out the spreadsheet that tracks our results month by month for the entire time I've been doing this podcast. I told her I would be concerned if our losses started to approach the amount we had already won. We were nowhere losing anything close to what we'd already won in cash. With the numbers in front of us, she could see my logic. The issue went away. She was comfortable and happy. Record keeping and being accountable. This lets us see that a break and regroup financially isn't needed. So what about physically? What about mentally? What about those reasons for taking a break? Another way that I avoid needing a break is by gambling at a variety of places. I'm fortunate to have that option. Inner Circle member Ozzy Alba has shared with us that he basically has one casino available to him. There are plenty of gamblers in the western portion of the United States that need to drive three or four hours to the nearest casino. And the next closest casino is a plane ride or a multi-day drive away. Those people don't have the same option. They don't have the same way to manage the need for a break. But I have that option, and I travel, as you know, if you've been listening for a while, that traveling, that going to different casinos, it keeps me active in multiple reward system, but it makes gambling feel like a vacation, even if we just go for one night. It feels like a date night. It is a date night. It's a fun way to go spend some time, and it... Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. It, it removes that that mental part of just the same thing over and over, just circling the wheel over and over like a hamster. And we take small breaks during these trips. We go do other things while we're there. We go to the spa. We go to and, and have a meal someplace fancy. We, we go to shows. We sit at the bar and have mimosas on Sunday morning. We do things that aren't gambling. It's not gamble, 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 gamble. God, I sound like a turkey. Um, these mini breaks provide structure for our gambling and it keeps things fun. It keeps us mentally and physically sharp. It helps us avoid the need for breaks for those reasons. Let's talk a bit now about the last time I took a break. This was several years ago. I took the first break I'd taken in a very long time, probably over a decade, where I had any, where I had a, a whole week where I didn't gamble. That, years and years and years before this but several years ago i, I reached that point I, I really did i reached that point mentally i reached that point a little bit physically i reached that point a little bit financially but more in the sense of i just wasn't ready to go back into safety I, there was still plenty of money there to gamble with but it just it had been a rough enough slog that i just wasn't ready to do that 
And at the time, my local casino was part of the Caesars brand. That's that's who they were with at the time. So most of my gambling was just done locally because that's a good national brand. And then just once or twice a year, we'd go to Las Vegas or Atlantic City as time allowed and enjoy all the perks there that we'd earned locally. So I had a couple of bad weeks. As I was telling you, things were getting monotonous, things were getting repetitive, all those things that caused gamblers to take breaks. I remember specifically telling Gabriel that I'd had enough. I was going to take a break, strip everything down, and look at everything I was doing top to bottom. I didn't get closer than two or three blocks from a casino for over 10 days. and Maybe it was a little longer than that. I looked at everything. I looked at the basic strategy I was using for blackjack and realized that it didn't perfectly matched the rules at my local casino. And in hindsight, at the time, that made sense. I just hadn't thought it through. I hadn't taken a break and stripped things down and really re-examined everything. See, I had memorized a chart decades and decades before, and that was a chart that was appropriate, generically speaking, for almost anywhere in Las Vegas. It didn't matter if it was a single deck game, a double deck game, it didn't matter, hit soft 17, stand soft 17, none of that mattered because this chart was generically close enough to almost everywhere. And I wasn't in Vegas that often, so getting a play wrong here or there during a five-day vacation, because the chart I memorized was for a table where the dealer stood on all 17s versus hitting a soft 17, just wasn't statistically a big deal. But the reality was, when I sat and looked at it, that I knew the exact rules I'd be playing almost all the time because the casino I was going to do most of my gambling with was 30 minutes away. I drove by it multiple times a week to and from clients. I needed to use the correct basic strategy chart because I wasn't gambling five days every two or three or four years. I was gambling four or five days a week. I needed to use that correct basic strategy chart. In fact, Ultimately, when I broke it all down, I needed to use two different strategy charts. And that's because the blackjack rules on the main floor and in the high limit room were different. And there were three plays that changed because of the rules change. I memorized those differences and I memorized the correct chart. And all told, it's a handful. It's six, seven plays, eight plays, something like that. But how many times a week do I make those plays? Three, four, five, six, seven, seven times? Well, if I'm making them wrong, that's the difference between winning and losing some weeks. So I fixed that. I fixed that as part of taking this break. And it was at this point that I realized that I had designed TRG Wagering System 1 for vacation play as well. And then as I started to have more options to gamble locally to my house, I just continued to use that wagering system that I'd invented. And it worked well enough. But I also realized that what worked well when I had basically unlimited table choices, when I could just walk from casino to casino, walk out of one casino into the next, sit down and play, that system that worked really well in that environment that was based on strong math and, and logic and all those things, maybe that wasn't optimized for everyday play in an environment where I had limited table choices, limited casino choices, where the next close, if I didn't like the results I got at a couple tables in a row, the next closest casino was four hours round trip. So I realized that maybe that wasn't the best way to go about things. And maybe I need to improve that. And from that realization, I researched, created, and tested TRG Wagering System 2, Always Be Grinding, 
that I that I taught in episode 62 and expanded on in episode 63. As you can see, if you think about all of this, I was still following Casino Wisdom number 81, ABC, always be casinoing. Even on a break from gambling, I was continuing to casino as a verb by focusing on reviewing and improving my process. When I look back on things, I see now that I needed that break to become a better player. That took my game to a new level when I took that break and re-examined things. It helped in several ways. If you're getting beat up financially, if you are mentally or physically starting to get a little worn out by it, by all means, take a break. It happens to everyone. Do it purposefully. Do it with intent. But I encourage you to use that time to make changes to what you do. Look at all of it. Think through it. Read a book or two that might help you improve in certain areas. Look at your record keeping. Look at the records you have kept. See if there are patterns there. You know, if you always play four tables and you always get beat up on the third or fourth table and it turns a win into a loss, maybe two tables is the end. Maybe two tables is the place that you at least take a break and go do something else. But maybe there are other patterns. Maybe you're only playing two tables and you need to be playing three. Maybe you need to add slots into the mix. Maybe you need to add some Baccarat in as an alternative. There are all kinds of ways that are unique and personal to each of us and how we approach this. And the breaks that you take when you feel you need to take them are an excellent time to dig into things and and think through your process and see what you can tweak in it and, and, and adjust and fix and modify some gamblers perceive perceive needing to take a break as something to be ashamed of having been through it it can be that if you return to gambling and do exactly the same things the same way but it can be a positive growth experience if you use your break time well the other thing that i want to discuss today is that there is an opposite to taking a break. And I don't think a lot of people realize that because I don't think a lot of gamblers have the records and the self-awareness, have the accountability to know about this other thing, this opposite of taking a break. I call it being on a binge. You gotta be careful with that word because that bit, that word binge suggests, suggests that from a gambling point of view, you're doing what's called being on tilt. Uh, and being on tilt is when you're not making rational choices, you're not making good decisions, you are gambling for the sake of gambling, you're probably gambling because you've had too much to drink or you've lost too much or both. That's not what I mean by being on a binge. That's not what I mean at all. I get on a binge a couple of times a year and a binge is you just keep winning. Table after table, day after day, even on those binges, even if I don't win every table, I leave the casino with a profit consistently. Yeah, maybe I lose a little bit at the first table, but I win a whole bunch at the next table. Or if I don't, if I do a lot of gambling in one week, yeah, maybe I lose a half a day's pay on Monday when I'm picking up whatever the gift is, but I win three days pay on Wednesday. Well, okay, I'm up two and a half days pay for two visits. I try to leave up one day's pay on each visit. If I'm up two and a half days pay after two visits, I'm overperforming. And if I'm overperforming consistently, I'm on a binge. And that's a binge in a good way. There are times when over and over, I make what would be my last bet 
a negative exit and I get a blackjack. And the table turns around and an hour later, I'm leaving the table with a nice win. And that's when you know these binges are happening. That's when you know when things that normally would break against you, even if you'd leave with a small profit, when they would normally break against you and they're breaking your way, you're on a binge. When you make your max bet, whatever your max is, bet multiple times. So if you're playing TRG wagering system, yeah, one or two, actually, either one, right? We push up, we add half a unit after we win two bets in a row, and we continue to push up half a unit until we reach a two and a half unit bet. If you win that two and a half unit bet a couple times, that's a nice streak. There's a binge happening if that happens on multiple tables in the same time frame, in the same few days, in the same week. If you're a skilled gambler, both breaks and binges are caused by variance which just means that over a period of time, on a coin toss, heads or tails are coming up more than they should statistically. And over time, these balance each other out. But here's the thing about binges, they can make you feel invincible, even though they're just called by, caused by variance, even though they're just caused because the coin is coming up heads statistically more than it should, you feel like you can't do anything wrong. All you're gonna do is win, win, win no matter what. Casino Wisdom 67 teaches us about this. Casino Wisdom 67 teaches us emotional control is the most important casino skill. And just as we should avoid playing in emotionally negative situations during a binge, we need to not let the positive emotions lead us to stupid mistakes. An example of that would be playing past your negative exit point because you're sure your binge will continue. You've, you've been winning for four or five days, six days, eight days, nine days, 12 days, whatever it is. And you just think it can't end now. You just think the binge is going to continue. Binges can end at any time, and you will not know that the binge is over until after it's over. You will only know when you leave the casino a couple days in a row, having not won very much money. The binge is over. But on the first losing table, on the first negative exit, if you're just convinced, I'm on a binge, it's happening. It's been this way, as I said, for days and days. You're just going to spend more money and you're going to make mistakes. That's a key mistake is not keeping your discipline intact because you were winning last week, yesterday. Even during a binge, you have to continue to play with discipline, focus, and a winning mindset. If anything, the casino wisdoms, the core concepts, and your practice and preparation become more important when you are on a binge. Anyone out there thinking, great, TRG. What good is a binge then? I'm going to tell you. I'm going to share that. You know, I always kind of set the table, get you wondering, and then, and then wrap it all back up. I find value in recognizing that a binge is happening. You can apply technique and experience to a binge once you recognize it. One of the things I do is add additional gambling to my plan. And that can be as easy as saying, if I play two winning tables and hit my win goal for the day, I'll play one more table with half the winnings. And that can, that can mean reducing your unit size so that you lock in a win for the day, but you have a chance to add to your win for the day if things continue to go the way they went, had been going. And you would think that through before. You would make that plan before. You'd say to yourself, sitting in your home or wherever you are, you know, I've, I'm on a binge. 
things are going well. You know, I've I've doubled my uh, bankroll. I've chopped some money out. I've put it away various places. I've kept a little bit of it in my bankroll. So I'm going to take my plan today is even if I win my normal walkout amount, I'm going to go ahead and take half of that walkout amount, find a lower limit table and continue to play and see if this binge continues. It can also mean looking at promotions and deciding to add a casino visit to what you'd planned for the week. And this is if casinos are convenient to you. You know, in my case, if I can add a visit because I'm just in the area, that's fine. And maybe that's a visit with a lower exit point for the visit. Maybe half of what you normally try to win. It's just, oh, in my case, if I get done with that client today, if they take the time I think I'm gonna, they're gonna take, and 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 if I if I have time, then I'm gonna stop by, and and I'm gonna play my normal buy-in, but I'm gonna cut my exit point in half. Just gonna pick up a little extra money and get out. I'm gonna continue this binge while it's happening. Maybe my local casino is doing a gift card giveaway that I wouldn't normally plan to worry about. A, a dollar amount that's not significant enough to me that that I'd want to make that trip specifically for that promotion. Something, I, as I said, I wouldn't bother with. But maybe I will. Maybe if I'm on a binge, I will. Maybe I'll restructure my work a little bit so that I can be in the area. And I'll stop in and I'll pick up the gift card and then try to win half a day's pay, not a full day's pay. If I hit that number, I'm up and out, adding to the wins that the binge created. Another thing you can do, and only do this away from the casino, do this at home, do this in your hotel room. But another thing you can do is increase your unit size by 25 or 50% as the binge continues. You need to do some math. You need to increase your bankroll correctly. You need to add some of your winnings that have been occurring when you do this so that you have a properly sized bankroll. We've talked about that a bunch. You know how to calculate those if you've been listening. If not, you can find those in some of the early episodes. And if you really can't find them, shoot me an email. We'll, we'll point you in the right direction. The point here is, and I'm sorry, I went sideways on that. I went off track. The point is, don't stop doing the things that created the binge in the first place. Do more of what you were doing and enjoy it while it lasts. It's not going to last forever, but I have had some binges last a month or more. It doesn't happen very often. As I said, once, maybe twice a year, but they happen. And if you recognize that one is happening, you can take advantage of it. So there you go. Breaks and binges, two things that over time happen to every gambler. The difference is the good gamblers know how to recognize what is happening and use both of those things to their advantage. Don't let needing to take a break or being on a binge cause you to abandon the skills and techniques that we all know work well. On the other side of the music, we will have a moment of casino wisdom. Way back in episode two, episode two, <laughs> that's funny, I just, I'm sorry, episode two was written in a complete vacuum, I had no idea what I was doing, I didn't even own a microphone, I didn't have any idea how any of this works, but back in episode two, I introduced Casino Wisdom number 93 and discussed how to handle big wins. From the point of view of episode 72, looking back, the statement, how to handle big wins, isn't a casino wisdom. That's not how we do things now. That's how, not how we do things once I sorted things out. We've kind of refined things a bit since episode two. 
What I did in episode two was really more of a statement. Stated that way, this wisdom doesn't serve its purpose. It doesn't do what it's supposed to do. It's not a mental trigger for you. So today I'm going to fix that past mistake and restate Casino Wisdom number three, kind of the way it should be stated. And I'm going to say it this way. When you have a big win, make several small choices. That's a better way to frame things. That's a better way to set things up. That sounds like a Casino Wisdom right? That sounds like a set of actions based on knowledge, which is what wisdoms are supposed to be. I've updated Keeper of Wisdoms list. It is available on CasinoCombat.com in the FRED 4.6 section, correctly updated, correctly set up with this kind of point of view. So if you want that, just jump on and grab it. It's there. The things I mentioned way back in episode two, they're still correct, however. The content was right. The presentation may have been less than stellar, but the concepts and the ideas were correct. I like to divide big wins between charity, saving against future losses and tax obligations, paying current bills, buying something that we'd like to have that is a little outside our budget, all those kinds of things. In fact, on that final idea, I have currently have an agreement with Mrs. TRG that the next time I have a nice big win, I can buy a regulation size craps table for the house so that I can practice. That's an excellent example of handling big wins. What I wanted to do today is expand on the list and this wisdom in a few different ways. First, the term big is relative, and it can occur over time. In fact, a binge that we just discussed is a great example of that. You might not have individual big wins, big home run wins. You may only win a normal amount or a little more than a normal amount each day. But over multiple visits, you have a big win. You have a large win. You want to be purposeful with the money that you want. And that's part of what this wisdom teaches us or tries to teach. Maybe, maybe the first day you used the win to pay a bill, you would have paid with money from your normal job. The next win, you put some money in the safe. Maybe the next win, you add to your personal savings to offset possible taxes from the binge you're on, etc., etc. What I want to talk about today specifically, I want to talk about a couple of other places. I wanted to add some ideas for you as to where you might want to put these extra winnings, some of these other small choices you could make. The first thing I want to talk about is putting winnings in a safe to offset future losses. An excellent idea, an essential idea. If you're going to be in this long term, if you're trying to do this for the long haul, you don't want to spend everything you win because there will be losses that you need to offset and you need to be able to stay in the game if you're trying to live this way. If you're trying to live this way, this is something essential. And when we first talked about this in episode two, I focused on the basics, the very, very most basic of basics. But now at episode 72, let me be more specific and detailed about this aspect of what I advised in episode two. I have two safes. I have two for this. One is a physical safe in my office. I keep some winnings there. If I have a bad casino trip solo early in the week and Mrs. TRG and I are going somewhere together on the weekend, it's easy enough to fix our bankrolls from winnings by opening the safe and pulling out a little money. But I learned the hard way a few years ago that you can't get to your safe when you've had a bad couple of days in Las Vegas. Can't do it. Can't get to the safe. Got to get on a plane and fly across the country. So in addition to the physical safe in my office, I have what I call a cloud safe. And don't confuse that with Ben Affleck's powwow safe, by the way. 
CloudSafe is just a bank account I opened to store some of my winnings in to offset future losses. I carry my gambling bankroll with me all the time. I, I gamble enough times a week that anything else just doesn't make sense. For a while, I didn't do that. For a while, I would keep all my bankroll in a safe or I'd keep it in a desk drawer. It's not that much money. There's not that many people in and out of my house. And then when I was going to go gambling, I'd take that money with me. It just, it doesn't make sense. I often go from a client to a casino, from a casino to a client, from one casino to another casino. I just carry it with me all the time. It's just, I'm a gambler. That's what I do. But that said, for a long weekend or a vacation with Mrs. TRG, I don't pull a bunch of additional cash together to create a bigger bankroll. Often I don't need a bigger bankroll. Often we go away for, for a two-night overnight, and I never need more money than the money I have in my pocket that I normally just carry around as part of everyday life. But if I do, if things go badly at the start of a trip, I just take money out of the cloud safe at any ATM. I understand that some gamblers say you should never use an ATM to get more money at a casino. I even know some gamblers who don't take credit cards or ATM cards into a casino to make sure they don't gamble anything other than what they brought with them. This may sound harsh, this may sound rude, but I just flat out disagree. And I say that looking at things that way is an indication of weakness and poor planning. I mean, if you don't have the self-control to gamble within your plan, Maybe those beginner techniques are things you need, but a good gambler should have the discipline to stay inside their plan, to gamble the way they laid out that they were going to gamble, to do what they said they were going to do, to use the bankroll they said was their bankroll. Your gambling uh, control, I guess maybe I'll go that way, your gambling control is poor if you get to a point where you've gambled through your bankroll and your answer is just go get more money out of the bank if that's not what you planned. And see, that's the difference. My plan for long trips is that I'm going to just travel with the same money I would take to my local casino for a few hours, plus some separate spending money for incidentals. I know I might need triple that to spend a week in Vegas. If things go really poorly in the first few days, I may need triple of that. But I also know I have several additional bankrolls in the cloud safe and additions to the bankroll in my physical shade safe. There is nothing shameful about using my ATM card to open my safe and get the additional bankrolls that I could have carried across the country in an airplane. I see it as, as less risky. I've had hotel rooms robbed of extra money that I didn't take to the casino before. I feel it's much safer in the cloud safe. It, last note on that, okay? Last note, and then we'll, then we'll move on to my next point for today. If you go to the trouble of setting up a cloud safe, if you do all that, make sure you do it at a bank that's going to let you take enough money out. It does you no good to have an additional bankroll in the cloud that you can take out of an ATM if when you go to that ATM, you need to take $1,000 and they tell you your limit is 300 So make sure you get that part right or you're in for a surprise the first time you go to use it. Most banks will allow you to set this number for yourself at a branch. And if they don't, use a different bank. It shouldn't be that important. If you're going to do casino combat regularly, if that's something you're doing, the next time you have a big win, as you're making those choices, one of those choices might be, I'm going to start a cloud safe. Another thing I started to do very recently is take a small portion of my winnings and make another bet, another kind of bet, a very long-term bet, maybe a very long-term bet. 
And this started after a conversation with my oldest son, the heir to the throne. He was saying that he could see a time when he would have grandchildren who would look at him and say, Grandpa, you had a chance to buy Dogecoin and get a million of them for only a few dollars. Why didn't you buy some? We'd be rich. For those of you who don't know, Dogecoin is a cryptocurrency. There's a whole bunch of them. There's Ethereum, there's Bitcoin, there's Solara. There's just there's tons and tons and tons of them, new ones all the time. Each Dogecoin, I just looked it up, each Dogecoin is currently worth 0 0.006 cents, roughly uh, half a penny. And other than buying and selling them, you can't do anything else with them. That, that's all you can do right now. But there are other coins that can be used to secure contracts electronically or track goods or purchase things. There are cities and countries that are starting to operate strictly on various cryptocurrencies. NFL player Odell Beckham Jr. is taking part of his current salary in Bitcoin, the original cryptocurrency. I joked all the time, I, I do, I joke all the time about free, tax-free imaginary money. And those are the points that casinos give you that you can use to buy things from them. Cryptocurrency is truly imaginary money. But $50 in Bitcoin purchased right when it was introduced would be worth millions and millions of dollars today. And honestly, it might be worth nothing a year from now. We have no way of knowing. But as football players and cities and countries start to use cryptocurrency, those cryptocurrencies have more demand. They have a very limited supply. They are not like dollars. They cannot be printed. As the demand for the coins goes up, the price and value of the coins goes up as well. Increased in demand equals increased cost. That's inflation. And that's good if we take some of these wins and do a little bit. So I am in no way an expert in cryptocurrency. I'm not. I know some. I understand the tech behind it. My sons know more about it than I do. That said, I found a couple of apps that let me trade cryptocurrency with no fees. I say I want X dollars of X cryptocurrency and they put X of that in my account. And if I turn around and sell it because it went up 10%, American dollars go back into my account and I can take them back out. So what I've started to do since I found these apps and I've learned a little bit about it, what I started to do is if I win a, a, a meaningful amount, when I'm ready to apply Casino Wisdom number 93 and make several small choices, one of the small choices I have been making is to use one of these apps and buy a small amount of cryptocurrency that I or my son thinks has long-term potential. If it doesn't work out, it's a one or two unit bet made with money I won that turns into a bet I lost at some point in the future. It's really no different in that sense than saying, oh, I just won a day's pay. I'm going to take a tenth of a day's pay and I'm going to make a bet on who wins the Super Bowl next year. It's the same thing. It's a long-term bet with an unknown outcome that I'm making with a very small amount of money. If it does work out, this could be one of the best bets I've ever placed. And that's why I'm placing them. Quick side note, then we'll move on. If this sounds like a good idea to you, but you don't know how to trade cryptocurrency, my advice, do not get all caught up in setting up a crypto wallet. There's a whole bunch of complicated stuff with goes, that goes with that. That's how it used to be done until very recently. Don't find an old article and do that. There are ways to mess up setting up a crypto wallet if you're not technical. 
If you do it wrong or don't document it well, you can end up locked out of your own money. That's happened to people. They did it the old way. They were in college. They set up a crypto wallet. They bought $10 worth of Bitcoin because it sounded fun and funny. They bought a pizza with part of their Bitcoin and then they never thought another thing about it and then realized that they had half a million dollars in Bitcoin and they don't know where the wallet is and they don't know how to get to it. So I'm not advising you to do all of that. As I said, there are well-known, well-funded apps that let you buy and sell cryptocurrency just as you would any stock. And they take care of the complicated back-end part of the process. One of those apps is owned by Mark Cuban, who owns the Dallas Mavericks. He appears on Shark Tank. He's a really smart guy. This is another one of his investments is to get into this space. I use two of these apps. Both of them will give each of us, you and me, free stocks or free crypto if you use a link I provide to start using the app. So you're not just finding an app and starting. I'm going to point you to a couple. And in doing that, I'm going to do you a favor. You're going to get some free something that's worth something to someone. And I'm going to get a little something on as well myself. If I can be helpful, send me an email and I'll send you a link. And we'll both get free shares of something as part of the process. There you go. A refinement to the language of an early casino wisdom and some additional options to think about when dealing with a large win. We will discuss results and observations from the week's gambling next in the travel segment. All right, here we go. I did a lot of gambling last week, much of it based around our promotions and family priorities and our priorities as a couple. As my world gets busier, I'm going to try to be able to highlight more often for you how my relationship with various casinos in the region based on relationships that you've watched me build. If you've been listening through this journey, through this podcast journey of mine, you've seen me build the relationships. I've used that to show you how to build relationships for your casino lifestyle. Now we're at a point where I can show you as the world opens up how my life used to work, how my life is starting to work again, how those relationships with various casinos in the region combine with other aspects of my life to make my entire life a bit better and a bit more fun. I started the week after work at my local casino. I went to pick up a cast iron skillet for my son's Airbnb units along with a free bet and a parking comp. I played some blackjack with Gabriel and a casino ally, Ramundo. He's another person I have not seen in 18 months or more. So it was great to get to spend time with both of them and just be guys playing cards who've known each other for years. And that was a winning table. But it wasn't a very big win. I also had a losing table. I split on the slot machines as well, winning and losing um, across two machines. It was a good visit socially, but I took a small loss financially. In the middle of the week, my son needed a ride to pick up his truck at a house his family had moved out of over the weekend. Basically, he drove the moving truck. His truck stayed at his, his former home. He needed to go back and pick it up. It was a couple hours away. So as we arrive at his former home, my clients had some items that needed to be taken care of very, very urgently, more urgently than me driving the, the two or three hours to their location from where I was. So I set up shop on his kitchen counter. And as he prepped the house for sale, I got to work remotely fixing their networks and changing security and, and doing the things they really needed done quickly. It took a long time. It took quite a while. It took the, the better part of the day. By the time I finished up, I was tired. My customers were happy. 
And as I looked at navigation and that kind of stuff, the two-hour drive north to get home was showing as a four-hour drive in the app. So I took a look at local hotel prices. It was a weekday. Took a look at my offers at the casino in the area. And this is the My Choice property two hours south of my home. So it's a place where I've built a relationship. And I was really surprised at how large my free bet was. It was, uh, it was bigger than anything I get kind of the places I normally go. Double what I get at my home casino. Just put, put things in perspective. So quick text conversation with Mrs. TRG. And with her blessing, I got a hotel room near the casino. I took a quick nap, took a quick shower, headed off to the casino. Gambling was fine. I won some money at the blackjack table. And I have a very informative and I think fun, you know, I don't know, fun, useful. Uh, I have a story for you at the end that, that I'll share about this particular blackjack table. I'm going to go through the rest of the results and then do the observations kind of at the end. I played a losing slot machine, but left the building with a profit. And I also picked up a piece of useful intel. At least at this My Choice Casino, you can turn the tax-free, imaginary free money into free bets at the kiosk or the cage. I'm going to need to see if other My Choice properties are doing that as well, or if this is unique to that property. The next day, I stopped at the horse track with the slot machines in town after going to see some clients, and things happened exactly the way I think we all would always like them to go. Casino Wisdom number 22 teaches us always play free slot play when it's given to you. And my ebook, which is available free on the website, teaches how to play free play. I play free play very differently than I play my own money. And the way I play free play, I almost always walk away with cash money. The only times I don't walk away with cash money is like when my local casino gives me $3 of free slot play. It's kind of hard regardless of your skill set, to win when they give you $3. And it's dumb that they give away $3. It's really stupid. Sorry, sideways again. Anyway, third spin, I caught a bonus round. The bonus round went off really well, paid off really nicely, caught a couple other small payouts. I finished the session with almost two-thirds of a day's pay in winnings from the free slot play I was given. I'm going to be candid here. It was a long couple days. Fun in many ways. Had a great time hanging out with my son. Had a great time at the casino. But it had been a long two days. And I was wearing out. And it would have been easy enough to say, it's only a couple stoplights. It's only 15 or 20 minutes. But I'm tired. Last week they didn't pay me very much. I didn't win very much. I'm just not going to do it. I'm, I'm just going to skip it. I just don't feel like it. But instead, I did what Casino Wisdom 22 teaches. I took the time. And as a result, had a nice win and put a nice amount of cash money in my pocket four times what they gave me. I tell you that, you know, I always think I'm going to get, on average, roughly half of what they give me. I took four times, more than four times what they gave me out of the casino. I never put a dollar at risk. I never put a penny at risk. All I risked was the time it took to drive the two stoplights and the 15 or 20 minutes. So anytime I can work 15 or 20 minutes and get the equivalent of two-thirds of a day's pay, that's a tremendous hourly rate. That's an excellent hourly rate. I wish I could charge my customers that. So Mrs. TRG and I had, at the beginning of the week, looked over the holiday calendar when we were doing things with friends and family. And we knew that other than the great trips we'd planned before and after Christmas, our trips together anywhere in the region were going to be pretty limited past the, the weekend that was coming up, the weekend that was part of this week, due to, as I said, family plans with friends and family. But quick text message to Bubba. He was more than happy to set us up with two comp nights at Casino One. That's the casino two hours south and east of our home. 
In addition to the comp rooms, we love this setup. We each got match bets on Saturday and then again on Sunday. So we got to double up on the free stuff that way. I'm going to skip the table by table, machine by machine. Uh, we were there around 40 hours. There were plenty of machines and plenty of tables. We went into the weekend down just, just a little bit, just uh, a little more than, than a day's pay for the month, something that when you're leaving, you tell yourself, well, that's no big deal. That's not a problem. I can make that in one table, and that's true. But it was a lot worse by the time we got up on Saturday. Friday night was horrible. We had a blast. We did, and probably overconsumed a little bit, and we didn't get out of our plan. But basically what we did was lose and lose and lose, and then call it a night. So we went into Saturday about three days, down about three days pay. Things were rough Saturday morning, rough in the sense just choppy. We weren't making any progress. And they were so rough that Mrs. TRG just, just decided she was going to grade some papers, and I did some podcast-related work in our room. We took a break. It wasn't going well, and we took a break. It's exactly what any good gambler should do. Mrs. TRG decided to extend her break and take a nap. I headed down to the casino for another session before happy hour and dinner. I started winning. After dinner, we both did some more winning. I had one of those wins where you just win and win and win and win and you make five or six bets at your max bet. The next morning, we won some additional money. After we had uh, a mimosa at the bar, we, we did some, some additional gambling because we had more match bets we had, had to play and we won a little money, more money before we headed home. We left the property up about a day's pay for the week. Not bad. From a day's pay down, at the start of the weekend to a day's pay up when we ended the weekend and we had a great time. You know, we didn't spend much, it didn't cost much. Bubba paid for the room, some of the food we comped ourselves was tax-free, imaginary free money. Very inexpensive couples weekend, had a blast and, and came out of it having one two days pay, which put us up uh, a day's pay at the end of the week. Very nice week from that point of view. All right, before we head to the virtual VIP lounge for a drink, let me tell you about the table at that My Choice property after dropping off my son. This all took place over the course of about three hours. I was really in the area, as I said, because of work and family. I went to the casino because that's what I do, right? That, that's, I was there, there was a casino. I had a free bed offer that was roughly half the cost of the hotel room. The casino's 10 minutes from the hotel. I'm carrying my bankroll anyway. I'm gonna spend some time at the casino. So I got my normal bankroll. And my time roll is about six hours. All right, six hours are easy. And then I'm going to have to start getting creative to create more time if I need to. But I was really just planning to go, play my free play. I had to drive back to the hotel, so wasn't going to be having any cocktails. Because I, I, I had to be able to drive safely and drive safely in an area I don't know very well. It was three hours at one table, at the one table I was going to play and play this free bet. It ended up using up about half my time roll. And I made some money, but that's a long time. Three hours for a, a single blackjack table. I mean, I often get three in and I'm done and out in an hour and a half. So this was, this was a long session. And that means I got good tier points. And that also shows why time roll is as important as bank roll. I had plenty of bank roll to play one table. I had enough bank roll to play three tables and a couple slot machines and have a little money left over just in case. So I was fine in that regard. But if I'd have gone in with an hour, my time roll would have been too short. So I'm going to call this little adventure or observation. Yeah, I'm going to call this little observation pain, misery, and self-destruction. Not for me. I won money. But for the other players at the table. Gambling at this blackjack table with me, and in hindsight, I think maybe I should have just named them 
pain, misery, and self-destruction. But gambling at this table with me are Snowy Mountain's best bro and Mr. Sales. And it was a rough table for all three of them. I didn't know it when I sat down, but Snowy Mountains was down about $1,000 when he joined the table. He'd have been at other tables. He'd been doing other gambling. Best Bro only had a couple chips when I sat down, and Mr. Sales joined us when Best Bro made his first trip to the ATM. And first means there was more than one. These players all had one thing in common. They had no wagering plan that made any sense. Or in the case of Best Bro and Mr. Sales, their wagering plan was to make the same bet over and over and over again. Mr. Sales was betting $25 on the main bet and making two side bets at $5 each. So he was making side bets. So he was giving the house an extra advantage. He was increasing the amount of money statistically the casino was likely to take from him. He went through 300 bucks and then another 300 bucks betting exactly that way while putting away five beers in a couple hours and complaining about how slow the wait staff was every time he finished a beer. Best bro was trying. He really was. But after the money from the first ATM trip was gone, it was obvious to me as he went to the ATM a second time that he had no significant chance of recouping his losses and leaving even or a winner. You see, when you lose whatever is in your pocket, $25 at a time, never changing your bet, there is little chance that another $200 bet the same way is going to recover what you lost. How could that happen? Really, think about it. Let's suppose that before I joined the table, he had lost $200. It was probably more than that from his expression, but suppose it was $200. With the next $200 bet, $25 at a time, he has to win eight more hands than he loses to get even and then have the discipline to leave. That can happen. It can. I think my record is like only two losing hands in an entire shoe, so it can happen. But in a 50-50 game, that is very, very rare. That is a magical unicorn of a shoe. By the time you go to the ATM again for another $300, having lost the $200 and then the $200 that you went to the ATM for the first time, you need to win 16 more hands than you are going to lose to get even. Again, my one magical unicorn shoe in 20 years would produce that result. But otherwise, you're not going to get there with a flat bet approach. Snowy Mountains, during this same time, was taking a more random approach. He'd, he'd bet one unit, he'd bet three units, and then he'd bet two, I mean, he'd just random, literally just random. Sometimes the side bet, sometimes not the side bet, sometimes the $5 for, sometimes the side bet for $5, sometimes both side bets for $10 each. I found out how much he was down that I told you about earlier when a younger man approached him and said, hey, dad, how's it going? When do you think you want to leave? I lost everything, but I can take a cash advance against my credit card if you think you're going to be a while. Snowy Mountains replied that he was going to play one more shoe, and then either way, he would be ready to leave. He was down a 1000 and he wanted to win it back. He gave his son money for a beer, and we started what would be his last shoe, win or lose. His bets were both random and aggressive. He started playing $25 on one of the side bets, and it kind of worked out early in the shoe, he hit a straight on the side bet and got paid $300. Things were looking up. Things were improving. How did he handle that? What did he do? He doubled his side bet, took a ridiculous side bet from 25 to 50, and took his main bet from 25 to 50. He lost his side bet. He won his, his main bet and went double on the side bet again and again doubled his main bet to $100. You see, regardless of his bankroll, 
Snowy Mountain's time roll was running low. His son was his ride. His son was out of cash and ready to leave. He lost both of those bets. Now, he doesn't make the side bet, but again, he doubles his main bet, raising it to $200. He gets a pair of eights against a dealer's seven showing. He splits the eights, making two hands at $200 each. He gets an eight on the first hand, but now he appears scared to me. At least that's what I think at the time. He doesn't split the eights again, but he doesn't hit either because he's worried about hitting and busting. He gets a four as the first card on his second hand. And now he's angry because if he had hit the first hand, he would have had 20. The, the correct basic strategy play is to take a card. But Snowy Mountains is halfway through his last shoe, chasing $1,000, has a big bet out, the biggest bet I've seen him make all night, and it looks to me like he's getting worried. Give Snowy credit. He makes the story end in a fun way. Well, not fun for him, fun for us. Rather than taking a card on his 12, the correct play would be to just take a card, 12 against a 7. But Snowy doesn't do that. Snowy wants us to be entertained. He puts out six green chips and says he will double for less. And now I understand why he didn't split the other eight. It explains why he didn't resplit those eights and make a third hand. He didn't have enough money. He needed $200 and he only had 150 He was out of money. His bankroll was too small for the bet he made because his time roll was too small and he was chasing his losses with the time roll he had left. The dealer hands him a 10 and he busts. The dealer turns over his down card and has a total of 17 because he has a 10. If Snowy had hit the 16 that was hard, the two eights that he didn't resplit, when he didn't have the money to resplit, if he did just hit that, he would have had a total of 20 and a second hand totaling 18, and he would have won $400, plus the $400 he had wagered is $800, plus the $150 that he did use to double for less, he would have been almost back to the $1,000 he was trying to recover. But it didn't happen that way. He didn't have a big enough bankroll. He didn't have a big enough time roll. He was playing scared. He was playing with less than enough money, less than enough time, and out of money he left and went to look for his son. As I said, pain, misery, and self-destruction. And maybe, as I said, I should have named the three of them that way and, and told the story that way. It might have been more fun. I may tell it that way the next time to someone else. Best Bro didn't have a wagering system to win with, and slowly over two hours, two and a half hours, he got ground out of the game. He reached the point where he couldn't or didn't want to go one more time to the ATM. He just took his loss. Mr. Sales, from the way he was dressed and some things he said, I interpreted or he implied that he owned a nearby car lot, and clearly he was just playing to drink and have fun, and that's fine. It, gambling for entertainment, as long as it's gamble, money you can afford to lose, who cares if you spend the money to go to a Broadway show or to go play in the casino? The money's still gone either way. As long as you had fun, that's all that counts. Mr. Sales had his beers, and he had fun celebrating when he won a $20 when he won $20 on a side bet while losing a combined $30 on the other two bets, he would celebrate. He was having fun. I couldn't figure out why. He was still losing money. But the look on his face when he left the table saying he was going to go get a shot at the bar because the wait staff was so slow did not look like he was really enjoying playing blackjack. And maybe what he enjoys is having the drinks. And cool, fine. Uh, I'm certainly guilty of that. So that's those two guys. Snowy Mountains had no wagering plan, 
but at least he was moving his bets around. But he gambled too aggressively with his remain, remaining bankroll because he had lost money earlier and his time roll was shrinking rapidly. Your never-so-humble podcast host, on the other hand, used TRG Wagering System 2 on a rough table, a table that had kind of systematically destroyed a number of gamblers, including a couple that got crushed before I even got to the story. They weren't significant. They are details omitted in the interest of brevity and clarity. That's exactly what they are. They didn't matter to the story, so they didn't make the story. Rough table. I used TRG Wagering System 2, and I slowly got not ground out. I slowly ground out a profit while everyone else was losing. When I finally hit my pre-planned exit point financially, I had plenty of time left on my time roll. I took an extra half day's pay to the cage before I left. And that's because I got to that eight unit point, nine unit point. I'm starting to think about keeping the win. I lost three hands in a row, little smaller win than I would have liked, but a win of a half day's pay and, and, a, and a decent way to wrap things up. Look, not a big win. I didn't need to decide how to use the money. You know I don't always win. It could have gone the other way. This could have gone the other way. I could have lost half a day's pay very quickly. I've done that before. I feel really bad for the other three men. They didn't really have the tools needed to have success. I didn't take these notes in my app and share this with all of you to ridicule them. I wanted to share this with all of you so that you could have another illustration of how the things I talk about here, the things that good gamblers do, produce success even at tables that destroy players who don't know how to do casino combat. All right. Yay. I'm ready. I hope you're ready. I'm certainly ready. Long day, busy day, fun doing what I've done. I'm ready for some sips. I got a good story to tell. And let's do that in the virtual VIP lounge. A little bit of the bubbly. The virtual VIP lounge is open as it always is when we are ready for it. That is the great thing about owning a virtual VIP lounge. You decide when it's open and when it's closed. I love owning a virtual VIP lounge. We are fortunate today. Not only do we have our normal still and sparkling waters that are bottled locally, of course, we have our handcrafted artisanal sodas, always the best virtual spirits. But today we also have virtual Christmas ale. Yep, we're moving past pumpkin spice season. Christmas ales are out and about. I happen to enjoy mine with a little cinnamon sugar around the rim, kind of the way you do salt on a margarita. Uh, I, I've got some from a, uh, a local brewery, and uh, that is what I, just before I hit the record button, that's what I poured. It's sitting right here. I'm going to enjoy it. Uh, certainly going to enjoy one of those today. If you can, I, I hope you'll pour something for yourself. Certainly, if you can't, for whatever reason, pour a virtual one for yourself. Put us in that space. Drinks and stories in the VIP lounge are always a favorite part of my time in a casino. Hanging out with other gamblers, sharing stories, talking about casino things that have happened. That's the way conversations tend to go. Today, I'm going to share one of my favorite real-life VIP lounge stories with you, one I've told any number of occasions. I have on a couple of occasions gambled all night because my time roll allowed it and conditions made it make sense. Or in the case of this story, both of those things were true and I had a chance to do something ridiculous that I'd never done before. Now I don't go out of my way to find things that are ridiculous to do, but 
if you hang around casinos long enough, just about anything can happen, and some of them can and will be ridiculous. Here's the setup for this little adventure. Here's the, the backstory, if you will. My local casino used to be part of the Caesars Entertainment brand. When it was, I was at their highest tier, which they call Seven Stars, and I was there pretty much constantly from the first year the casino opened. At that time, one of the perks that came with that tier was that you could have a comp hotel room with a 48-hour notice anytime you wanted, which in practice meant anytime you asked for a room, even if it was if it was more than 48 hours, they had to make a room available. If it was less than 48 hours, they didn't have to, but generally speaking, if they had a room, you could have it. My local casino does not have a hotel. However, it's connected to a shopping mall, and connected to that shopping mall are two hotels. As a result, they would comp rooms in those hotels that they didn't own. I could stay in a couple of very nice hotels anytime I asked. At one point, the casino gave me some really good tickets to see an NBA game, and I happened to, as this would roll out, this is good timing for this story, I took my good friend, the artiste, uh, the gentleman who just celebrated his birthday in Las Vegas uh, a few weeks back. So he and I went to the game. We did some gambling before the game. I checked into the hotel. We went to the game. After the game, he headed home because he had little kids. He had family. He had work the next day. And I decided to take a portion of my bankroll and a portion of the money I had won before the game and play some blackjack in the high limit room to wrap up my evening. It was already 10 o'clock. It had been a busy work week, but I had arranged things so that other than an emergency, my schedule was clear the next day. So I had time. My time roll had a very, very long horizon. It was going to be 5 o'clock the next day before I had to worry about making any adjustments. So I had 10 p.m. to 5 p.m. the following day. I had no commitments until dinner time the following day. Having said that, I expected to win or lose in an hour or two. That seemed like plenty. I was going to play an hour or two, call it a night after a drink or two, and wrap things up. I bought in for 10 units and started winning right off the bat. And I was still winning and had tripled my money when last call occurred at 2 a.m. My drink arrived, and as I sipped and played, I said something about looking for the right situation to wrap things up since the bar was closed. And I was really just joking around, really just making conversation. But the pit boss comes over and says, well, if things go well, the bar opens again in three hours. And we all kind of chuckled over that. And mentally at the time, I started looking for the reason to leave. I had a nice win, a really nice win, a win that would need some casino wisdom applied to it the next day. I wasn't going to lose it all back. I certainly was not going to lose it all back waiting to get a drink at 530 in the morning. If I didn't want to do that badly enough, I'd have just set my alarm for 530 and come down and got a drink. I don't only drink at 530 in the morning. But as I said, ridiculous does appeal to me. The gambling got a little wonky at this point. I was using TRG Wagering System 1 at the time. I hadn't taken that break and rethought things. So I'd lose two, then win the third. And then the next one unit bet would be a double or a split. And I'd make that play and I'd lose two units. So now I'm technically down half a unit. Then I'd win the next bet and I'm up half a unit. And this went on for the better part of an hour or so. And now as the previous drinks are starting to leave my system, I start to get a little stubborn. I had a hotel room. I could have a late checkout if I asked for it. I was going to find the correct planned end of this table. And honestly, it was fun. I knew the dealers. I knew the pit bosses. I had the entire high limit room to myself. 
We were just laughing and having fun since none of them had to work very hard or watch me very closely as I won and lost the same $200 repeatedly. Every so often, someone would remark that I was getting closer to the bar reopening, and that started to sound fun. Ridiculous started to sound appealing. I wasn't going to go off plan to make it happen, but the idea of a story about closing and opening the casino bar in the same visit sounded like a story that would be worth being able to tell. At 5.15, I've still not won or lost any money. This is 5.15 a.m. I haven't won or lost really anything for the three hours plus that, that I've been gambling. I've just been telling stories and BSing with people and, and winning 100 or 200, losing 100 or 200. It, it never was anything. I never got to a positive or a negative exit. So at 5.15 a.m., a waiter appears at my elbow and says, I heard that you might like a drink when the bar opens in 15 minutes. And I said, yes, I absolutely would. And I placed my drink order and I, and I told him that as long as I was around, he should keep bringing me one of those drinks every 20 or 30 minutes. I tipped him well, told him that he didn't need to worry. I was just headed to the hotel whenever I was done, whenever I reached my, my, uh, my, my winning or losing that I was going to do for the day. At the end of the next shoe, Realizing what was going on, realizing the direction this was headed, I sent a ho my host a text and I said I was still gambling from the night before, that I hadn't even been in my hotel room other than to drop off my bag, and that I was going to need a hotel room for another night to stay the following, you know, this evening, now at this point. And if that wasn't going to be possible, I understood, but someone could someone please go to my room and get my unopened bag out of my room and put it in the VIP host office you know, before checkout at the hotel, and then I'd pick it up from them. My host stopped down to see what the heck was going on, and I said, I'd been playing all night, everything was fine, I was having fun, the bar had just opened, a drink was on its way, but at some point, this streak was going to end, and when it was going to end, I was going to need to crash a while before driving. I had now been up 24, 25 hours, whatever it was, uh, this is what was going to need to happen. Worst case, I needed someone to grab my bags, and then I'd pay for a room with my winnings if I needed to. I didn't care about that. Well, she quickly arranged to comp the next night in the same room. She set all that up. She confirmed it. My key would continue to work. Didn't need to worry about any of that. My drink arrived. And as soon as my drink arrived, I start winning again. Had not won or lost anything for three plus hours, but a drink in hand, additional hotel time arranged, Maha Kali or whatever gambling god or goddess, was around, started bestowing blessings on me as soon as my drink was delivered. And I started winning at a consistent pace. And full transparency, I started drinking at a consistent pace. I'm not saying the two were related. That, that doesn't have to be. That would be ridiculous to say that because I was drinking again, I started winning. That's probably not what happened. But this is a great example of how I apply casino wisdom number three. And you probably don't remember that one from all the way back in episode four, but casino wisdom number three says, don't drink and gamble, or be well prepared to do so. I was well prepared. I know how to handle drinking and stay on plan. I'm not going to go off plan because I had a few drinks. That's just not how it goes. I, I've done this enough. Unfortunately, the phone rings around 1030, not my phone, the phone in the middle of the pit. And the pit boss answers the phone. And a few minutes later, he comes over and he says, I'm sorry, TRG. I personally think the team upstairs is just bored and has nothing to do. This wouldn't happen on a Saturday night. In my opinion, based on talking to you all night, it shouldn't happen to you now. But they made the decisions. This isn't my call. 
they say that given the number of drinks you've had over the past five hours, you need to be cut off until at least noon. And he was kind of acting like he thought I was going to be angry. And I said, no problem. No big deal. I'm not mad. Not a problem. Just please let the wait staff know not to bring the next one and tell them I apologize for the tips that they won't be getting because of the people upstairs. As I said, there's no way that the bar being open and me being served had anything to do with each other. That's not why I started winning when the bar opened. That's absurd. It was just coincidence that I stopped winning when the bar closed and starting winning again when it opened. But as would have it, and perhaps Maha Kali did have something to do with it, as I finished the drink that I had, the last drink they were willing to serve me for an hour and a half, and with no more drinks headed my way because they had cut me off, I lost three hands in a row. Boom, boom, boom. First time it had happened since 10 p.m. the night before. I made the fourth three-unit optional bet just to be sure the win streak was over. It was over. I'd hit my positive exit point. I had stuck to the plan, and I had ridiculously both closed and opened a, a casino bar. I had quadrupled my original buy-in. I had doubled my profit for the table that I had when the bar closed. From the time the bar opened until the time I hit my positive exit, I had doubled the money that stayed the same for that three-hour window. In this situation, I had an almost infinite time roll, and I stuck with my plan, and the result was a nice profit. And what I hope you consider a fun story. Just to wrap it up, I finished my casino visit by crashing in the hotel room until about five. I showered up, went home, had dinner with my family, and we sat around and sorted out a series of small choices on what to do with the money I had won the night and the day prior to our dinner. Please tip your waitresses, tip your bartenders, tip your dealers. If you have a host, tip your host. Don't tip away your wins. I have spoken. Everything you heard here is true from a certain point of view. It's time for leaving, and I hope you understand I was born a rambling man. Love it, hate it, it don't matter. Please share with your family and friends. Goodbye, everyone. Thanks for listening. I hope you enjoyed it as much as I enjoyed putting it on.